All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Adam's To the line, Hughes scores! Here, like I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is Chris Faber, and joining me on the line is David Quadrelli. But first, I just want to give a shout-out to the presenting sponsor of the show, Zephyr Epic, as we embark on episode 138. Quads, you're fresh off the game, man. How was uh, the experience being in the arena tonight? Great, as always. It's always nice to get to an arena. And you know what? We're a blessed few that get to go watch live hockey right now. Like, the pandemic sucks. It's hard on everybody. People find solace in watching Canucks games, hockey games, whatever. It is nice to go there live. I must tell you, and although it is work, 
you can't really complain when your job is just to watch hockey and then write and talk about it as we are now. But yeah, it's uh, we're recording this at 11.50 at night. I think this might be our latest recording ever, Chris. I don't know, maybe you've recorded later. I think you you interviewed Nils Hoglander once at 3 a.m., so there's that. But yeah, this is uh, this is the latest we've ever recorded together, I think. Yeah, not only is it a very late episode, I'm also recording from a bathroom, so my audio definitely sounds different, so I apologize if it's, like, bad quality, but I am recording from a bathroom because this is the smallest room at my girlfriend's house that uh, seems to be the area where I can get away from everything, so I hope the audio doesn't sound bad. This is my first time recording, I, I feel like I feel like I've done recording from a bathroom before for another reason, but I feel like this might be the first one at the same time. Nothing beats you doing a radio hit inside posters inside Walmart, or was it Canadian Tire? Where were you when you did that hit with the Utica guys and you hid inside some posters? Yeah, that was the uh, that was a Canadian Tire. As I for- completely forgot that I was going on Utica Radio to talk about the Comets uh, from a Vancouver uh, point of view, I guess. And yeah, that was pretty awkward. Uh, like you said, yeah, there was like those poster flaps that like. <laughs> You have, and I just, like, opened up two of them, put my head in there, and, like, people were walking by me as I'm, like, screaming into my phone about the Utica Comets uh, at a at a Canadian Tire in South Surrey. So, yeah, I, I don't think, I think this beats that, though. Like, I, maybe I have to take a picture of my setup in here. I got, like, the laptop on the toilet. My I'm just sitting here in the sink with my mic right in front of me. So, it's quite the setup tonight, but... Um, we got a lot to get into, man. Uh, definitely wrap up the game that we just saw here. Um, a little bit of brouhaha at the end there after Forkbutt uh, bumped into Niels Huglander after the thing and made a huge uh, huge pile up. That was actually, like, the pictures that came out of that were pretty funny. What was it kind of like in the rink? Because you kind of get to hear some of the players uh, chirping back and forth when they have a little bit of a battle like that. Okay, so first things first. I want to say... That Travis Green, I've rarely seen Travis get as mad as he was tonight. And I came home and asked my brother if he heard it on the broadcast. And you couldn't hear it on the broadcast, he said. I don't know, maybe you heard it, Chris. But maybe my brother just missed it. But Travis was yelling for a good minute. I think it was in the second period at the refs for not calling a hook. That was an effing hook. That was an effing hook. He said that like... Six times, probably, uh, and he was loud. Like, you could hear him, and it was like... I, I was surprised that the broadcast... Didn't, like, did you hear it on the broadcast? Mm, I don't think so. There was there was one JT Miller F-bomb that got caught. Gotcha. But uh, I didn't hear anything from Travis Green. No, Travis was... Yeah, Travis was yelling loud tonight. Um, And yeah, I, I thought... Like, it was funny. We I did the post-game report for Canucks Army, and I gave top performer of the night to Travis Green for not getting fined by the league for uh, coming out and saying anything bad about the refs because I knew he was already upset about it. Um, And then the refs kind of... You know, all he said was he was a little bit surprised uh, that they didn't end up with the man advantage at the end of the whole Hoglander thing. But yeah, like Travis Green looked almost exhausted tonight talking to media, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It was just a, it was interesting to me to kind of watch that game and see everything live. Like, like I said, like Travis yelling. That's something that the broadcast didn't pick up, but he was very, very angry at the refs. Um, so I kind of brought that into the my my thinking of the post game sort of thing and yeah as for the hoglander incident i saw the hit right away the one hoglander threw on forbert um i didn't think it was dirty i really didn't and i i went back and watched it a few times i i 
I really didn't think it was dirty. Um, like at first, I thought he led with his elbow. And that's no surprise from Nils Hoglander, people who followed your coverage of him when he was at all the various tournaments and leagues he played in before. That's no no surprise that he's leading with his elbow. But I went back and watched it. It looked pretty clean. Like, I didn't really see why that would piss off Forbert so much. I think it might have just been the fact that it was like, like a 20-year-old rookie who's also like a short king, five foot nine, that hit you and you're like six foot four. Maybe it just... I don't know, maybe it just rubbed him the wrong way, but it really wasn't a dirty hit. And I don't know, it was just, it was so bad watching him get cross-checked because it was like, okay, there's a call, there's a call, there's a call. No, we're not calling anything. And by the end of it, Hoglander was just like, what the hell, man? Like, he just, like, stood up and just looked at the ref. He's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it was it was bad. Yeah, and, and that's one that's been starting to get called a lot more, right? I mean, that's one yeah. that we see get called a lot in front of the net, and it's kind of interesting, and, and you mentioned it, I mean... That that's a penalty, right? I mean, you you can't just cross check a guy in the back three times like that. There was good reason for Hugliner to look at the ref after. Um, not really a huge situation to play. I kind of want to look at the bigger picture right now uh, for the Vancouver Canucks because we've kind of talked about it over these past few games here, the last show, last couple shows for sure. As they've been, you know, they won two out of three for a little bit there. They look pretty strong, and I think that. The gameplay was excellent from them. They were starting to get a lot more scoring chances, but the thing that's hurt them so far, and you saw it tonight, is just the inability to finish. And I, I want, you know, from the rank, let's get your take on it, because it felt like the Canucks, especially in that third period, like they dominated that third period for possession, but just can't get a goal past uh, Brassaw. And I, I'm wondering what, like, what do you think are we seeing right now that's making it, t- like, just kind of tough for them to finish, specifically at five on five? Uh, I think they're getting in their own way uh, to an extent. Like, Tanner Pearson started the game, had a pretty doorstep opportunity, and he put it high. And what what's the excuse there? It's just he missed the net. They're getting in their own way, right? And, yeah, like, they didn't penetrate the middle great tonight. Their shots weren't from the best locations. But when you get those chances, you have to convert. Like, that's just the way it is. You have to convert when you have chances like that. Like, listen... Laurent Brassois is not a fantastic goalie. Like, he's a good goalie. He's a great backup. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not coming here trying to trash Surrey's very own Laurent Brassois. I'm not trying to do that. But he is not as good as his record against the Canucks. Two shutouts now would suggest he's not that good. And there were a few tonight, as I wrote it in the post-game report, there were a few instances tonight where he lost track of the puck because there was traffic in front of him, and the puck just hit him. Like, he he got lucky, Mm -hmm. and then there was a few that the Canucks tipped wide that he really didn't see, and it was just, you know, like, the the stat sheet will tell you that Laurent Brassois came out and had a stellar game. He played great. You don't get a shutout if you don't play great, but... The Canucks got in their own way tonight. Like, that's just the way it was. The Canucks got in their own way by not being able to finish. Adam Gaudet had a chance. Put it wide on a pretty open net. And then, you I don't know, it, you just go down the list. Like, I'm trying to remember all of the chances I saw tonight that were just, they just missed the net. Or, you know, there was one where Hughes took a, or sorry, it was Yolevi actually. Yolevi took a shot from the wall and... Besser redirected it in front, and it literally just went wide. Like, that's just, you know, like, I don't want to use the term bad luck, but the Canucks just didn't finish, and I don't think there's much explanation for it other than that. Like, I don't think the explanation and the takeaway from tonight is that 
well, the Canucks just ran into a hot goaltender. Like, no, I think they made a goaltender who had a good game look like Sergei Bobrovsky out there. I'm talking about Vesna Sergei Bobrovsky, not uh, last year in Florida, although he's having a pretty good start to this year. But yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think the takeaway of this is, oh yeah, like the Canucks, they just, they, uh, they just ran into a hot goaltender. It's okay. It's a moral victory. Like, no, they got in their own way. They didn't finish. Like, they have to finish. At the end of the day, the onus is on the players to start finishing these chances. I don't think there's anything to blame it on other than that. Yeah, it's it's tough because like you're seeing this team have success at the things that they weren't having success with early on in the season, right? I mean, they're able to control possession now in the offensive zone. They're able to get shots off. They're able to move the puck around. I mean, a lot better than what we saw over, you know, that tough stretch of games where they lost six straight, seven of eight. Like they're looking a lot better, but the problem still just happens to be it's, it's something that I swear, like this Canucks team has had this problem for what feels like, feels like six to seven years now where it's just they even when they play better than the other team they just can't seem to get the goals over the top to give them the wins and I think you really saw that on display tonight I mean I'm, I'm looking at the the lines and the line of the uh the lotto line and looking at what they just did I mean they controlled 87 percent of expected goals in that game 88% if they round it up. So 88% of the expected goals on the ice of their 13 minutes of five on five hockey. And you don't get a goal out of that. I mean, that's a really tough look, nine scoring chances for that line. So like that line's getting back to it, but I'm curious to, to get your opinion. Cause I think, uh, Pedersen talked about it just a little bit because he said that, you know, maybe they are trying to make that one extra pass a little bit too much instead of trying to just get the shot on net and see what happens. Because, Brock Besser has changed his game where he's able to score a lot of these goals in tight now. Like he's he's doing a better job of being versatile when it comes to scoring, not only scoring on the rush and scoring from his shot on the left side, but scoring around the net as well. And when you have shooters like JT Miller and Elias Pettersson, I, I'm just wondering, is that what's going on with the lot of line, do you think? Do you think they just need to shoot a little bit more from what we've seen specifically in this game that we just saw? Uh, I think Pedersen specifically needs to shoot more. Like, he had a couple chances tonight where he definitely could have shot and he didn't. And I know it's cliche because he goes for the extra pass and it's worked for him in the past. I get it. But, dude, the guy has a really good shot. Like, he's got one of the best shots in the league and he needs to let it go. Like, it's as simple as that. He needs, I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if he just wants to make make the sure play and try and go for the pass and make a tap in. I don't know what it is. I wish I had an answer, Chris, but yes, Elise Patterson needs to shoot more. And on the topic of the lotto line, watching them tonight, and I'm sure you can agree to this too, Brock Bester's the motor on that line. Like he is what that line runs through now. And if you told me that a year ago, if you told me that was going to be the case, I would have called you insane. But as we wrote at the start of the year, Brock Besser's feeling healthy finally, and that confidence is back for him. And he's saying this is really the first time he's felt as good as he did in his rookie year, and the results are there, and it's showing. Like, Travis was talking about it. When Brock's moving his feet, he's at his best. And, yeah, that's cliche, but you watch him play, and it's true. There were a few instances tonight, Chris, where there were pucks that got shot from the blue line and they got turned over and Winnipeg was going to break out the other way and Besser wouldn't let them. There were a few instances mm. where Besser was right on them and like just a just a hound on the puck and it it's interesting because he was never really a floater. Um he's taken strides for his defensive game, but 
I feel like you're almost seeing him be more tenacious and want it more. You know what I mean? Like he he's starting to bring in like aspects of Nils Huglander's game into his game in that sense. Yeah, I, I agree with it. I mean, I think that what you're seeing Brock Besser do right now is just be 100% healthy. He's probably talked about it in the past when he's done interviews, but right now you can you can actually see it on the ice, right? Like he is skating a little bit harder and he is just getting himself that extra little step that's going to give him his ability to get that shot off. And when maybe he didn't have that extra step last year or the year before, I mean, coming back from that tough back injury, coming off of the battling the wrist, like it's, it's in a great, it's a great spot for him to be at right now. I mean, what second in the NHL for goal scoring only behind Austin Matthews. He's ripping his shot, like coming in on that four on one uh, against Jacob Markstrom the other day. You you look at that and you see like Pedersen on the ice, you see Miller on the ice, you see Hughes on the ice, and you're like, I I kind of want Brock Pesser taking that shot, you know? Like I think yep. it's a very different story last year, but from what he's done this year, you you want Besser taking the shot when those best four players on the Canucks, the best four scoring options for the Vancouver Canucks, I would want to have that puck on Brock Besser's stick just because of the confidence that he has right now and the way that he's looking when he's fully healthy. So I agree with you, and I think we have to look at it from the other end of that line right now because a lot of people calling for JT Miller off of the lotto line. Uh, where do you kind of stand on the situation? Is it just something for him to, like, does he just need some sort of a reset to maybe get the, you know, get the motor back running? We saw a little bit of a jump in his game when he was thrown on the penalty kill, but there's something off about the way that he's playing compared to what we expect after seeing his first year in Vancouver. What are you seeing with JT Miller right now, Quads? I'm curious, Chris, if this is just a case of a player who overachieved last year and had a really Mm. good season last year and is now kind of playing at what was expected of him when he was acquired. Like, let's be clear here. JT Miller exceeded expectations greatly in his first season with the Canucks. That was not what they were expecting him to do. They thought it would be a good fit, and they were absolutely right about that. But we're starting to see maybe... This is the player that everybody thought they were getting. He's still a great player. Um, So, I don't know. Like, when I think about the lotto line, I just... The chances are there, but they're not finishing them. And watching them tonight, like, they were the Canucks' best line, in my opinion. Tonight, they were the Canucks' best line. And Mm -hmm. I don't think you want to change that. Um, I think they're going to be hungrier next game. I... I would be absolutely stunned if the lotto line doesn't have one of their best games of the season next game. Like, I, I think that's what you're in for um, when you see that frustration from Miller and even Pedersen in the post game just being like, yeah, like, I'm tired of talking about how we had good chances but didn't score or how we played well and didn't score. He's tired of talking about it. Let me it. cut in there, Quads. Let me cut in there for a second. That was my favorite quote from Elias Pedersen all season long because I think us as the media asking these questions – we're tired of hearing it too. And I think for a player to finally come out and say like, listen, we're tired of saying, yeah, we played a good game, but couldn't get the goals. Like that's the thing that this Canucks team really needs to figure out. Right. I mean, it's, it's been a problem for them for years. Like I said, just getting over the top and, you know, scoring more goals than you're expected to. You put up a ton of expected goals. That's great. But man, you really got to score some eventually. And hearing that quote from Pedersen today, it just made me say like, okay, like they know, right? Like they know that they need to get to the net a little bit more with more bodies, fire more shots on there and actually get more better scoring chances. I just, I heard that quote from PD today and I said like, it's nice that someone's acknowledging it, right? Like, cause they are getting scoring chances. They are outplaying teams 
but they're not winning games enough still, right? And I think that them knowing it is the first step anyways into kind of changing the way that they attack the net to to actually get goals instead of expected goals. It's time to actually put up goals in the teams and get wins. Like, expected goals are great and they help us write articles and, and everybody loves advanced stats, but goals win you games in the end. And I think them acknowledging it right now is a good step in the right direction anyways. Yeah, absolutely. No, like... It's it's interesting because, you know, people are like, oh, you guys are media, blah, blah, blah. But it's important for a player to come out and kind of take leadership like that. And we haven't been given bow after the past couple of games. And, you know, like after a loss, typically the captain comes out and talks. That wasn't the case. It was Pedersen tonight. And I think he showed some great leadership by saying that, like just coming out and saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of talking about how we played well, but didn't win or didn't score goals or whatever the exact quote was but that's the gist of it but yeah like you've you've got to love that from Pedersen and I think you're right I think that's Mm -hmm. that has to be your favorite quote of him from the season aside from him answering the question about his weight that was gold and I think that one's still going to be my favorite (laughs) most definitely and if if we can speak about media zooms one more time and just add one thing to it please stop sending us Thatcher Demko after losses oh my gosh you're not you're not going to get anything out of Demko I was going to tweet this but this is what happened, okay? For for those that don't watch all the Zoom calls, and I don't blame you, this is what happened. So Thatcher Demko's the first up, okay? Uh, the Canucks PR person says, okay, we're joined by Thatcher Demko. Uh, please use the raise hand function uh, to indicate you have a question. Silence for about eight seconds. Just a reminder to use the raise hand function if you have a question for Thatcher. Like, four seconds of silence. Demko cracks a smile. PR person goes, okay, if there's no, and then he goes, oh, okay, and then there was a question. But Thatcher got, like, two questions, and I'm, like, sitting there, and I'm looking around, and, like, there's there's a few different people around me, and I'm looking around, and nobody's, nobody has their hand up on, on Zoom or anything, and w- what are you supposed to ask a goaltender who let in one goal and his team lost because he got zero <laughs> run support. Like, what are we supposed to ask him? Like, the question that was asked was a great question, yeah. But it was like, I don't know. Like, you know what he's going to say, which is half this job. But <laughs> what he was asked is, Thatcher, is it just disappointing to not get the run support? And it's like, yeah, it is. Like, obviously it is. And, like, that, that's not a shot at the reporter who asked the question. It was, it was a fair question, but... I was yeah. just like, why are we why are we being sent the goaltender after a loss like this? Or like the equivalent of that, Holtby got sent out when they lost like seven to one and they just didn't play defense in front of him. And I was just like, what is he supposed to say about this? Yeah, I think somebody needs to give them a memo and just say, like, we don't need the goaltender every night. Yeah. Like, if the goaltender makes a difference in the game and like like a huge difference. I think a difference enough to make it a win or a loss. Then you send out the goaltender, but you know, or if he has a good game, anything like that, but not like you mentioned it, getting a goalie in a game where he gives up one goal and the team doesn't score any might be the worst media situation ever (laughs) for somebody over zoom because it's just, it's horrible. And I think like it was so funny when you said that, like nobody's like, please use the raise hand function and nobody uses it at all. That was absolutely hilarious. So, um, I, I guess um, to stick on that for a little bit, though, um, I'll let you have some runway here before we go to break and maybe just talk about what you maybe saw from Demko tonight kind of being in the arena and getting able to to see what he does kind of between the whistles and pick up on some tendencies because I know you love all that stuff. 
Well, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend ten minutes talking about what he does in between whistles, but uh, you know, he he played a great game, and this is interesting to me, Chris. And I'll I'll get your opinion on it too. But when I look at this situation, look, Braden Holpe played outstanding in Calgary. I thought personally that he was gonna get this start. This is a clear message from the coaching staff and Ian Clark that Thatcher Demko is their starter. He is the guy, and tonight was an opportunity for him to either show that he deserves to be the guy or, listen, there's a guy waiting in the wings ready to take that spot if you're not ready for it. So show us you you deserve it. And that's exactly what he did tonight. That was interesting to me because, look, Braden Holby's a veteran netminder. He knew what he was getting himself into when he signed here. He knew it was going to be a 1A, 1B situation. Uh, the partnership's great between them. They, they both want to play. Excuse me, but they both really drive each other they push each other right and they they know that they both need to be great for this team to succeed and I think when you have both of them succeeding it's really good for the team it, it's a it's a huge advantage especially in a season like this one but going forward it makes sense that Demko is your guy and you know I've I've been on the Thatcher Demko hype train for a long time now I, I think he's ready to be the starter and I think the Canucks believe that and I think by giving him the start tonight, Saturday night that is, or sorry, Friday night, <laughs> Friday night that is, then you're really showing, that's a huge vote of confidence. Like, that is a vote of confidence to Demko, and that is telling the fans, that is telling everybody that this is our starter, this is our guy, let's see what he can do. And he lived up to it on Friday night. Well, let's look at it. I mean, you know, coming up on which, which is crazy, I think only like a handful of games away from the halfway point of the season. I think a lot of people had this idea in their head that Thatcher Demko was going to go out and win the starters role. And I think saying, what are we, 20 games in now? Yeah. I think he's done that, right? I think he has done that. I think he's gotten himself to a point where you can say Thatcher Demko can probably start two out of three games, right? Every two out of three games, I think Thatcher Demko's at that point right now where he should be the starter. But it's not because of Holtby being bad I don't think I think Holtby has been okay maybe a little bit below expectations with a lot of people thinking that he was going to come here and Ian Clark was going to turn his career around and he was going to be great and this was going to be a nice duo there was a lot of people in that camp you know I was partially one of them too I think I think you'd be silly to not think that Ian Clark and the goaltending skill that he brings to a goaltending group would not make a goaltender better so I I think there might be still some work in progress to go with that and I don't think we've seen the best of Braden Holtby yet though we did get a nice game of him like you mentioned just the other night but it's more about Demko like it, it is more about Demko winning the spot and actually looking like a starter because it's weird to think about that right like we've had Thatcher Demko now in this organization for I guess five years now would I would I I think I'm all right with that when he was drafted was he 2017 draft pick I think he was 26 he was Patterson's year right no 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 he was like 2016 or 2015 he was 2015 yeah okay all right so six years now I guess and I think that you're at the point now where you've seen him kind of be Jacob Markstrom's back backup you've seen him be in a tandem with Braden Holpe it's almost weird to think about even though we've talked about it so much, like to me, it just feels weird that he is now the starter. Like 
We've talked about him being the starter of the future for so long or being, you know, the starter in the long-term future when Jacob Markstrom was here, then he was the starter of the future in the offseason. But now it's like, it's it's now here, right? Like, this is now the time where Thatcher Demko is the Vancouver Canucks franchise starting goaltender. Yeah. And it's a weird thing to kind of take in, I think, but I think we're just right on the cusp of that happening right now. 2014 draft for Demko. By the way, just thought I'd. Oh, uh, so I was way off. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, but a couple things actually, Chris, that I found really interesting about what you said. My take is that we have seen the worst of Braden Holtby in a Canucks uniform. I don't think we it'll get any worse. And the reason I say that is because, listen, I've said it before. You've heard me say it on this show. He was in the worst defensive environment in all of the NHL last season in Washington. The worst. Then he comes to Vancouver thinking it's going to get a little better. Canucks come out <laughs> out of the gate and we know the kind of team defense that they played in front of him. There was obviously that big turning point when uh, him and Miller had the little, uh, I wouldn't call it a shouting match, but the, you you know the incident I'm talking about. Um, a little stare down. Yeah, the stare down. The stare down. Um, there was that, and I think from that point on, Holtby's kind of zeroed in now, and he's picking up on more things that Ian Clark is teaching him, and part of the reason I think Demko is the starter is just because he knows what Ian Clark wants more. You you know what I mean? Like, Ian Clark wants specific Mm. things from a goaltender, and Demko knows those things more, and this is really interesting and I know this is the part of the show where I ramble on about goaltenders and people are thinking I'm crazy, but people at home, next time you watch a Canuck goaltender, either Holby or Demko, watch how they play the puck behind the net. So what you'll see often with, with a lot of different goaltenders is they'll go to one side of the post and they'll look over their shoulder and they'll switch sides. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. With Ian Clark, what he really likes to get his goaltenders to do is to get down into the butterfly and have one foot on each post. Now, I don't think this is going to work with Mikey DiPietro, whose legs presumably aren't as long as Demko, Holtby, Salovs especially, um, and Markstrom. But when he has these taller goaltenders, he's able to get them to do this. And it's really limited the wraparound chances that teams have. Yeah. It was interesting to me, Chris, because in the game against Calgary, I noticed Holtby wasn't doing that. And I wanted to ask him in the post-game Zoom because Nate Schmidt said, as a player, when things start to go south, you start to not... Wow, I can't remember how he worded He didn't say he didn't believe. You start to not believe, but you start to panic almost. And you start to go back to what you know and not what you've been learning. And almost you don't trust the process. You know what I mean? Like that that was the gist of what he said. And I wanted to ask Holtby about that from a goaltender's perspective. But just over Zoom, it was hard to say, hey, Braden, I noticed you weren't holding your post right. Because you know what I mean? Like it'd be weird to say that over Zoom. So I I didn't ask him the question. But I'd be really curious to kind of see how he's adapted to that. Because that's something that we saw him working on in training camp. That's something we see from all of Ian Clark's goalies. And... I thought Holtby did a good job at it during training camp. Like he looked solid doing that. He looked comfortable. Um, I think he's really figured out the quiet feet thing. And I think I I explained that on the last podcast, but basically looking over traffic and shuffling his feet very quietly right in front of him rather than big strides and trying to crouch down, looking around and below legs and all that stuff. He instead is looking over them. Uh, That's something 
Ian Clark did with Markstrom, something he did with Bobrovsky, uh, and, and it works. It's it's a proven method. So with these taller goaltenders, he, he definitely loves to do that. Because you have to think, the forward that's in front of these guys is usually hunched over, right? So they're able to look look over them. And, you know, the puck's out at the point. That's just the way it is. You keep your feet close together because you keep that narrow stance. I've just, I don't know. I've, I've been impressed with Holpe and how quickly he's picked up on the things Clark's taught him. Uh, I think they had a nice eight days there to work together and then came out and Holtby had a great start. I think any time off that he's getting because Demko's starting, I think that's only going to benefit him in the long run, which is why I say that I think we've seen the worst of Braden Holtby in a Canucks uniform. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've seen some pretty bad uh, ones from Holtby yeah. so far. We've seen some a couple of good ones, though, I think, so far as well. So uh, I'm still so curious to see how much his game actually starts to change with more work with Ian Clark. So that's something that um, we'll definitely have to follow as the season goes on. I do want to talk some more goalie on the other side because I find it pretty interesting with the situation that we have with Jack Rathbone being sent down to Utica because he's been on the taxi squad all year long, hasn't been getting any action. He hasn't been loaned to to Manitoba to get to any games with the Moose. And we have a similar situation with Mikey DiPietro. So on the other side, we'll talk about that situation a little bit. Uh, But first, I just want to throw to some ads and give a quick shout out to the new sponsor of the show as well. Quads, you want to introduce ICBA a little bit? Yes, the Independent Contractors and Businesses Association of British Columbia is the newest sponsor of the Canucks Conversation podcast. We are very excited to have them on. Listeners of the show, actually, Chris. I don't know if you knew that, but yes, listeners of the show, big mm-hmm. fans of the show. We're big fans of them. And yes, yeah, super excited about this partnership. We'll give an actual ad to them uh, on the uh, in the in the ad rolls here. But yeah, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the newest sponsor, the ICBA. Absolutely. We're jacked out. Big supporters of local sports. Obviously, everybody heard them on TSN 1040 uh, back when that station was a thing. Uh, and they wanted to help support sports as well and sports coverage. So we're super stoked to get them on board with us at the Connects Conversation. So we'll throw to our ads right now, and then we'll see you guys on the other side to talk a little bit of Rathbone, a little bit of DiPietro. We'll get into some Utica situations as well, and then a quick little prospects wrap-up to get things going. And then we'll close out episode 138. So we'll see you guys on the other side. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, and you can use promo code Hockey Season with a capital H and a capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, to get $5 off your order exclusively for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners. Be sure to join them live on Twitch for Epic Case Break openings. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. That's right, folks. Hockey season is back, and so is Parallel 49 with some of their new beers. If you didn't try it last year, that was the first year that they released the Apricotopus Sour, the Apricot Sour. I highly recommend that one, one of my favorite sour beers. And another seasonal one that's come out is the Sea Salted Caramel Scotch Ale. Uh, This one's a little bit of a stronger beer, so only a couple of these should probably get you through a Canucks game this year. And don't forget to be sure to try out all of their classics like the Trash Panda and Jerkface 9000, or even the Tricycle if you want to mix it up and have yourself a little bit of a Rattler as well. So go out and try Parallel 49 Beers and follow them on all their social medias. Alright, short and sweet one here for our friends at Mike's Hard Lemonade, the Blue Freeze. If you haven't tried it, folks, you need to get out and try the Mike's Hard Blue Freeze. 
by far my favorite alcoholic beverage on the market right now. If you're going to just enjoy a few drinks at a game or it's a Saturday night and you got a Zoom party with some of your friends, take yourself down to the BC Liquor Store which or your local liquor store, wherever you get drinks. Pick up some Mike's Hard Blue Freeze, the best, tastiest drink on the market right now. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employees on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trade jobs that pay well offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors, including the newest one as well, ICBA. We're stoked to get them on board and work with them and see what we can do in the future as well. So uh, Quad's not only a new sponsor, but a new Instagram page for yourself. Uh, up to number three now for you with a couple of hidden ones. Uh, <laughs> we won't get into that. But uh, Quad's quads at a rink, or Quad's stink, as I like to call it. Uh, how's, the, how's the new Instagram going? Because you were actually at a rink tonight. I was at a rink, and yes, I. Everybody knows. Uh, people have long requested to follow my personal Instagram account, and I just don't do it. There are too many weirdos out there. Uh, even though you know, I, I accept some people, but it's like if we've never had a conversation in real life, or or even on Twitter, if we've never had an actual conversation, I don't know you at all. Don't request to follow my Instagram account where I post, like, pictures of my family and stuff. Like, there's way too many weirdos out there, man. Like, I've just had so many people, like, send me just the most alarming responses to, like, tweets and stuff. And, yeah, I block them. But it's, like, why would I want to leave, like, anything about my personal life, like, open to these people? You know what I mean? It's, like, screw that. So, yeah, I have a private Instagram account. So, I was, like, okay, maybe I'll, I'll start a work one. So, I started a... Uh, a Instagram account dedicated to uh, everything we do with our work, Chris. And I called it Quads at a Rink. I think it's a great name. But yeah, I'll be posting like pictures, some videos from Zoom calls, like just basically everything. Like the pandemic season kind of show you how everything works. And yeah, it, it's it's been fun so far. Absolutely. Well, good start. And I appreciate the shout out of you calling me six foot four on there. Aren't you 6'5"? I wrote 6'5". Oh, you wrote 6'5"? Yeah, 6'5 in my dating profiles back when I needed those, but uh, not in real life, actually. Imagine uh, <laughs> adding... Do you even need to say you're 6'5"? Like, isn't 6'4 enough? I always thought that 6'7 was where it, like, really changes. Like, I always thought that, like, what you know, from 6'4 from to 6'6, you're pretty tall. But as soon as you hit 6'7, it's like... Honestly, it's just, it's similar. Like, I'm a pretty tall guy. When I saw Tyler Myers for the first time in the locker room, I was like, wow, this guy's very tall. Like, I, there's people, I think it's six foot seven is the height where it's like, okay, this, this person is very, very tall. And I think everyone under there is just, you know, I think everyone over six foot one is pretty tall, but like six one to six six, I don't see much of a difference in the, in how tall a person is. I think it's six foot seven is where you're like, damn, that person is tall. See, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not a liar on my, uh, on my dating profiles. I don't, I don't lie about the height. I just, I, you gotta own it, man. You, you have to own it. I, I can't believe you don't want to own six four. Like here I am. I'm like five eight. I'm like yeah, 
take it or leave it. Actually, I'm five nine, but uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, take it or leave it. Five nine. This is this is what you get. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna come oh, out I, here and I, be like I'm five ten. Five ten. No, though, I think that's I, a good height. A lot of. A lot, I think that's where it changes. Like yeah. you're talking about how it changes at six foot seven. If you're five ten, like I think. I think that's kind of the, the, the prime time. And I, I'm so close. If I wear shoes, I'm good to go. That's what I was kind of going with with 6'4 on the profile. Was I, If I'm wearing shoes, I am 6'4 or 6'5. But I still can't dunk. Uh, anyways, I wanted to... Actually, you brought up something <laughs> there uh, that I wanted to mention. You mentioned blocking people. Uh, and if you just don't know what they said, I actually unmuted one of my two people that I had muted on Twitter. Can you say I, who? I don't think I'm going to say who, but uh, they haven't been as annoying. Uh, I looked at their page the other day. They haven't been as annoying lately, so I unmuted a person. One of the two people <laughs> that I've muted. So there's only one person now that I do have muted on Twitter and one person that I have blocked. Who I will say who I have blocked. It's Skip Bayless. Okay. I just can't can't deal with that guy. I yeah. just can't deal with him. I don't know what it is, but everything he says pisses me off. And I won't say the person I unmuted. But uh, I do want to move on a little bit now because we mentioned we were going to talk about on the other side. Um, Jack Rathbone now sent down to Utica. Uh, Can we both agree it's a good spot because of what we've seen so far this season where he hasn't been able to get into NHL games? I I think it's a good thing that he's going down to Utica. I'm curious to get your opinion on it because I don't think we've really talked about this off-air either. Yeah, he needs to get some reps in. Absolutely. And this isn't only to benefit Jack Rathbone. Like, you've been watching the Comets games. You know the left side of that blue line is in shambles right now. Like, they're missing Ashton Sautner. He was with the Moose. That's a big part of their blue line. And he wasn't there. And I think Jet Wu is playing his offside, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure you can talk touch on this a little more. But from what I had heard and what I had seen... Jet Wu playing his offside wasn't the most ideal situation. So now you're going to get a natural lefty. If you've got a Wu-Rathbone pairing, like people are going to want to watch some comments games. People are going to want to see those gifts, Chris. Like this is your time to shine if Rathbone and Wu are on the same pairing well, at yeah, the same it's, time. It's, it's almost a dream pairing. I just, I think that, I think Rathbone gets there and I think he's instantly the best defenseman, honestly. Like from seeing what he did at training camp, I thought he was... He was a guy who was going to be ready for the NHL. And I had this thought the other day when I was watching comments. And I was like, man, imagine if Niels Hoglander did do that thing where he went down to the AHL. And I was just watching like Carson Folk go in on, on the forecheck. I was watching Cole Lynn go in on the forecheck. Uh, I was just watching these guys like Gadjevich skate around the ice. And I was just thinking like, man, Niels Hoglander is on such another level than these guys. Like he is on such another level. If he was in the AHL right now. He would be leading the league in goals and assists and points. Like he would be the best player in the AHL. He would be. He's so much better than a Sven Berchi or a Sam Annis, who were some of the top scoring players last year in the AHL. Like Niels Huglander is so much better than them already that if he would have done that AHL stint, it would have just been hilarious. Like it would have been so funny to see what he would be doing against these AHL competition. I like. I think that what we're going to see with Jack Rathbone is 
he's going to go down there and he's going to hop into the first pairing. Like I, I think it, I've seen a lot of similar things with this kid. Like he is a dynamic puck mover. He really is. He looked excellent in training camp against NHL competition. He looked so confident against these guys. And I think he's going to go down to Utica. I think he might be paired up with potentially Santini or Ranky, who are some, some veteran guys from the Seattle or St. Louis uh, organization. I think he might be paired up with one of those two right shot guys. And that's going to bump down some of the lefties uh, to get Wu maybe back on the right side. And this, this actually might hurt Wu's situation a little bit where, you might actually see Wu have to sit out a game or two. And in a season that's so short and so compact and so different in the AHL, you know, where points really don't matter. Like it's, it's an absolute 100% developmental league at this point because there's no playoffs. They're not going to play for a cup. Um, It's just going to be them going out and getting their games in. And I think when you're in that situation, you just need to get as many games out of a guy like Jet Wu as possible. I hope that they don't sit Jet Wu in place of a guy like Mitch Elliott, who's bounced around in the ECHL and AHL the last couple of years. Like, if it is a, de- a developmental league, you got to play all your young guys over these veteran players. Like, it because wins don't matter. Like, they really don't matter. The only thing that really matters right now is ice time. Like, you can lose every game this year, but if your guys develop, your young players develop, that's that's all you can really ask for from your AHL team. I, I'd be curious to get your opinion on how the AHL kind of feels this year going into it, though. Well, I think you're absolutely right. Like, it, it has to be a developmental league this year, especially with no playoffs. In the past, that's not what the AHL has been. The AHL has been a league where we've seen guys like Petrus Palmu and and others get pushed out, right? And it's like, well, why isn't this guy developing? Like, try and develop this guy, but that's not the case. And it's it's interesting because I look at the hockey hockey's minor league system. I look at it and compare it to baseball. And baseball, there's like way way more levels of minor leagues. Like you know that, but there's a focus at every level except for AAA. And if you're a young prospect, you're probably not going to be in AAA for too too long. You're probably going to go to the show very fast. But there's a focus at every level to develop. Like, that's what the minor leagues are for. And I think that's what they should be for. Like, for baseball, any, like, journeyman is just going to go play in in Korea or, um, or Japan or one of these other places where there's good baseball that you can actually make a pretty decent wage at. With hockey, it's interesting because the AHL is kind of like that league. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a pure developmental league. Um, yeah, you see guys that are journeyman playing in AAA, absolutely and they're, they're the taxi squad that's baseball's where the term taxi squad came from um and it, it's interesting to me because you don't really have that with hockey like yes you have the echl but for the most part the ahl isn't much of a de- de- developmental league so for it to kind of be thrown into that situation this year where it is a developmental league like yeah you're absolutely right like you cannot sit jet woo and yeah i get it that you have to also respect that the blues or blues prospects are playing there but man at the end of the day this is the blues coming to the canucks organization right like this is the blues prospects going to the comets it is not the other way around so I get it. They've talked a lot about collaboration and they want to be on they all want to be pulling on the same rope. I get it. That's great. Listen, 
there's no playoffs. Pulling on the same rope is great, and I know you want to win games for moral victories or whatever, but man, at the end of the day, like, this needs to be a situation where Canucks prospects are developing, and now I think there's an even bigger magnifying glass put on that now yeah, that Jack absolutely. Rathbone's down there as well yeah, as absolutely. Jet Wu. And it's something that you said there, which is really interesting, and I've talked with Corey about this a lot off-air and a little bit on-air. Um, that situation with St. Louis, it's fine right now, right? Like everything's going good right now. You know, the, the, the most interesting connection between those two teams is John Stevens and Nolan Stevens, brothers who are one from the St. Louis organization and one from the Canucks organization. They are having to play together. They had a three-on-three shift the other night, uh, and they're the two sons of uh, Tampa Bay coach John Stevens. Uh, can we, is, was he assistant coach? Anyways, John Stevens of the NHL coach. Uh, he was <laughs> – I'm completely messed. I don't have a computer in front of me to mixing up. I have a sink and a toilet, so I can't really search stuff up right now. As, as you can tell when I blew the draft year for Thatcher Demko by like three years. But anyways, yeah, I think that's the thing. Like there, there can't be games where these guys are sitting out. There can't be games where you don't at least have one or two prospects out there killing penalties or on the power play. And I think that that might have been a little bit of a worry because some of the players that came in from St. Louis were some older veteran guys who are just off the taxi squad instead of more prospects in the in the St. Louis organization. Like, you look at that team. You look at that Utica Comets team right now. All the young, promising players are Canucks property, right? Like, there's not a guy from that St. Louis Blues team where you're like, wow, look at this 21-year-old who's trying to adjust professional hockey in the same way that Gadjevich or Folk or Wu or even, you know, any of these guys that are in that kind of same age group and Cole Linz, like they're more kind of Sven Berchi pieces, right? Like some of the defensemen like Santini or Renke or Nathan Walker, who's won a Stanley Cup, like these guys are a little bit older and they're kind of just in the AHL because they couldn't keep a job in the NHL instead of young guys who are trying to work their way up to the NHL. And you don't want those young guys to be limited because of the other guys in that situation. So I think that everything's all nice and rosy right now. I do wonder what's going to happen moving into the future though, uh, to see if any of these guys miss games because of the older veteran players. So it'll be an interesting thing to follow. And and you guys know, we're going to have the Corey Hergot on the show every Tuesday to talk about it anyway. So we'll get into that a little bit more on Tuesdays. Uh, but quads, I know that there's something that I've been tracking a little bit. You've been tracking a little bit and it's Alex Edler. And I guess him is the pairing with Nate Schmidt. Where do you want to kind of go with this one to start? Cause I know I've been doing a lot of research on this pairing as well. And we can kind of go any direction here. I, I almost want to go back to what was said at Morning Skate. So, after Morning Skate, that is. I asked Travis just if he thinks Edler's changed anything from last season. Because there's an article that will be posted by the time people are listening to this on Canucks Army by the super talented Stefan Roguet. It is a really good read about how... Alex Edler's actually facing some of the toughest minutes of his career. And it was funny because I was talking to iMac and Harmon tonight and we were, we were briefly talking about it and they like, didn't believe it. Like they, they were like, even when it was Edler Tanev in the Willie D years, like Edler's facing the toughest matchups right now. And yeah, the answer is yes. And you should read the article by Stefan because it's really, really well done. But I asked Travis and I just said, you know, despite, him facing these tough matchups and the toughest of his career 
he's having the best defensive year that he's ever had. Like, from a pure defensive point of view, he's having the best year he has. And I asked him if he changed anything from last year. And Travis made a really good point. And I, I didn't really think about this, but I think he hit the nail on the head. Like, basically what he said is, I think he's playing better because not only is he a smart player, he was saying all that good stuff, but he's not playing power play. And he's not really being relied upon to be an offensive play driver. Like right now, he can only he only has to focus on playing in his own end, transitioning the puck. He can snap it to Nate Schmidt, who's an excellent player in transition. And I think you know that pairing has been one of the best in the NHL. And I don't think a lot of people realize that that pairing has actually been one of the best in the NHL. That's two left-handed defensemen. Travis Green, we thought would be pulling out his hair at that pairing, but instead, it's one of it it's been the Canucks' most consistent pairing this season and again, I think that playing with Schmidt has really helped Edler and I think, you know, I think it's a combination of him playing with Schmidt and less ice time that's really helped Edler kind of find his game again and really you know have one of the best years of his career at the age of 33 (laughs) so i wonder i wonder how much money he's making on the next contract then (laughs) oh man i that okay that's the other thing well i mean give your thoughts on edler first and then we can talk about his next i just i've seen i've seen a lot of the similar things that you said i think that that's been the best consistent pairing for the vancouver canucks through this season so far I wouldn't go as far as what you've said to say that they're one of the best pairings in the NHL. I don't know what uh, Stefan's been writing and you've been editing, but that's... Yeah, that's Daniel. Daniel Wagner, baby. Pastor Bullis. Okay. He wrote that today. He was right. I read it all. You should, I w- you should I'll, read it, might man. have to check this out as I pass out uh, after this. I just <laughs> think that they've been an excellent second pairing, right? I think that's what they've been. I think they've been an excellent second pairing so far this season. Um, the numbers haven't come for them. Their on-ice shooting percentage is low. Their on-ice save percentage is low. I think that uh, eventually they're going to kind of balance out and find a lot more consistency with that group. And I just think that that's one of the pairings that I'd like to see stick together because I do think that there's a nice mesh between what Edler is able to do at his age and what Nate Schmidt can bring with his skill set to that pairing. I just think that there's a lot that works there. Um, And I like the idea of Edler being on the left side and making passes across to another lefty who, when receiving passes on the right side, is going to have such a nice vision of the ice. And that's something that Jordy Benz talked about a little bit in the interviews as I've kind of wanted to get in more depth from these guys because Travis Green now playing with two pairings with lefties as right shot guys or lefties on the right side. Uh, that's something that we never saw from Travis Green, like ever, right? And that's kind of interesting to see how he's transitioned to that this year. And I wonder if something's clicked in his brain because it's like, oh, this this is working. Like Jordy Ben with Hughes is working. You know, Nate Schmidt on the right side with Alex Edler is working. So I, I'm wondering if maybe that's something Travis kind of falls in love with, seeing what has been able to make his defense core be better at. So, um yeah, I think it's it's been a good pairing. Like, it has been a good pairing. And we don't have to talk about the contract for Alex Edler. There's another day uh, in the <laughs> offseason when we will talk about that for sure. Let's uh, let's close things out with a quick prospects report, and then we will uh, get into a little bit of a betting segment as well. Um, I just I don't really have too much to update. Obviously, Vasily Colson with the concussion, he's been out. Who knows what could happen on Saturday morning. I'm waking up with absolutely zero information on if he's playing or not. We saw the report from Rick Dollywall who talked to Rotenberg who said that he'd be three days, was it? Like that's 
I'm sorry, but that's not how long you should be out with a concussion. And I'm not a doctor, but I have seen a lot of concussions watching sports and playing them as well. Um, that looked like a concussion. Hitting your head that hard with a shoulder, having the struggle to get up, the inability to be able to walk down the hallway by yourself. They, it just it looked bad. I, I'm not going to say it was a concussion. I'm just going to assume it was. Well, mm-hmm. hang on a sec. The guy, Rotenberg or whatever, he said he had a right. minor concussion. Like, he, those were his words. He's like, Vasily is a minor concussion. Dude, there's no such thing as a minor concussion. Like, it's a concussion. You, ha- you have a concussion. It does not, you do not just, oh yeah, you know, he's fine. He, we're giving him three days. He'll walk it off. Like, we, okay, you just said an interesting thing. Yes, neither of us are doctors, but both of us have talked to doctors and i have talked extensively to uh dr rosenblatt from advanced concussion clinic in vancouver she's been very gracious and i almost wanted to do a story on it but i also didn't want to beat a dead horse but i i really wanted to just send her the clip and be like hey what do you think of this or or, sorry the quote and just be like hey what do you think of this like is three days enough time to diagnose (laughs) concussion but i'm sure i'm sure that story would be way too long because she would have a lot to say about that but it's you just, might have to reach on. out like, to her. That, that's another former uh, ads on TSN 1040 that uh, might be looking to support some local sports content as well, um, as well as ICBA. Oh, We're stoked yeah. to have them on board. So, yeah, I mean, Pod Colt, like he could, for all I know, I could wake up tomorrow morning and he'll be in the lineup for Ska, right? Like that would just be the worst thing possible for this kid who really like Ska's set up right now in the standings. They're not going to drop much lower than second. I believe they are right now in their, in their conference. They're not going to drop much lower than that. All the other teams are way below them. They're probably not going to catch CSKA because they're kind of a little bit above them. So really like even in their right way of thinking, it is like they don't need to rush him back if they want to just use him for the playoffs. But if anybody's going to rush a player back, it's going to be the Russians. I feel like looking at what what we know about them and what they just said about minor concussions, which clearly is not a thing and clearly did not look like a minor concussion the other day when we saw that as well. So um, I, I don't want to wake up Saturday morning and see that he's in the lineup. I hope that he's out for another week. I I don't think he should play potentially even the rest of the regular season. I mean, this this team finishes the regular season at the end of February. Playoffs get going in March. Let's just see Vasily Pod Colson in playoff action. I think it helps the Canucks fans just kind of take a deep breath about the situation with Pod Colson. And I, I do think it helps Scott, like getting a healthy guy back. You do not want to rush him back at all and have any long-term effects. But unfortunately, long-term situation for Vasily Pod Colson, Scott probably doesn't care. I mean, he's leaving, right? Why would Scott care about the long-term situation for Vasily Pod Colson, who has said time and time again and turned down contract after contract because he wants to go to North America? Why would Scott care at all if he if they rush him back? Like that's the only thing that kind of scares me a little bit. So we'll see what happens tomorrow morning for sure with that. Uh, anything you want to add there, Quads? No, except I did have one thought. So you you said Scott, but then you said CSKA. If it's Scott, wouldn't it be like Ska or Kaska? I, I don't know what to tell you there, Quads. CSKA, but like I on the <laughs> broadcast they like. They do say CSKA and SKA. Uh, I don't know what the difference is because of that. Interesting. I, maybe maybe one day I'll learn more about it now that I got the jersey. Quickly want to just do a little bit of a prospect report talking about the Yuka guys as well. This is going to be super quick, just one minute. 
Cole Lind obviously looks great. He's got the four goals. Jonah Gadjevich is looking good around the net. He's got four goals in five games as well. But the guy who's shocked me the most is Carson Folk. I I love the way this kid plays the game. He's all over the ice. He's up and down super quick. Loves to shoot the puck. I believe he's currently leading the comments in shots on net right now. He's a he's he's very good in the faceoff dot as well. He he's looked excellent so far in the faceoff dot on the power plays playing the Pedersen zone there on the right side with the one timer left handed shot and he's been ripping them like this kid has a shot and he likes to use it a lot. So loving a lot of what I'm seeing right now from Carson Folk. Jet Wu, there's some ups and there's some downs. Like this kid is tough as hell. He's always in the right spot. But he's just lacking a little bit of a decision-making trait kind of right now as a professional. He lacks that just a little bit. And his skating isn't really up to par from what you would like to see for a guy who's going to develop into an NHLer. So those two things are the things he needs to work on. But positionally, he's excellent. And strength-wise and in the defensive zone, he's pushing around professional players already. So that's great to see from Jet Wu. Uh, and that's kind of just my wrap-up there about the comments. So... Let's uh, let's dive into a betting segment. I've been talking for a while, quads. I need a drink of water. So let's start this thing off for me. Let's let's talk betting. What are we talking about today? I lost my bet today. I had a nice parlay down. I was feeling pretty good about it. Uh, I bet that Florida would cover the spread against Detroit, so they'd win by more than a goal. Uh, they won seven to. Two, I think the final score was whatever it was. They won, so I had the option to cash out. I put a ten dollar bet down. Had the option to cash out for sixteen dollars before the Canucks game, because I also bet that Edmonton would beat Calgary, and then I bet that the Canucks would beat Winnipeg. Bad idea. So I ended up losing that. But that parlay, that was gonna pay me like eighty six bucks, man. So I I had to go big on him. I had to go big or go home. That was that was my bet of the day. But uh yeah, as for actual betting advice, I don't. I feel like now is not a good time for me to give betting advice, given that I just lost my yeah, parlay of the day. That's uh, that's kind of where I'm sitting too. I um I looked. I was looking good too, and maybe that's what we'll talk about this week is parlays because uh, with four NHL games tonight, I decided to hit a couple of different parlays. Um, didn't end up winning because I had the Canucks in both of them because I was feeling confident. But have you noticed that making a difference on your parlays? Um, when you actually bet the spread instead of just like an outright win, outright win, um, like I've just noticed that like you get a huge difference. Like you mentioned it, I bet on the Hurricanes covering the spread uh, at one and a half. They they ended up winning by two. I bet the Panthers covering by one and a half. They ended up winning by five. Uh, I had the Oilers. I didn't take the spread, and they actually did end up winning by one. So that's good that I didn't. But then my final bet was the Vancouver Canucks. Um, winning by w- at least one and a half. So I bet um, with the spread there, and clearly they didn't end up winning that. But like you said, same thing, man. Like I had a, that was a $5 bet, and that one ended up coming out at $148 if I would have hit that. So I just needed my Canucks to do something for me. But like I've learned this year betting, don't bet on your favorite team. That's that's a good advice for this week's Odd Shark uh, betting segment. Just don't bet on your favorite team because like you're going to be bet against your favorite team. You know, because then if your team loses, you get some money out of it. And then if your team wins, just be happy about it. You know, put a couple prop bets down on your favorite team, but don't bet on your favorite team to win. That's that's got to be like lesson one of sports betting. Uh, and I'm surprised we haven't got it to it this far yet. So um, that's all I kind of have for my betting segment. Anything else you want to add here, quads, or anything before we close out the episode? Yeah, don't bet on the Leafs. That's the other thing. If you bet on the Leafs, you're going to lose. They're, they're going to disappoint okay, you every time. I'll note that as well. Even against Ottawa. 
<laughs> oh yeah especially against no Ottawa. Well, um, we'll wrap things up here. Um, if you guys are listening to this on Saturday morning, uh, tune into Sportsnet 650 on Saturday at 4.30. Quads and I are going to be jumping on with Jamie Dodd for Canucks uh, Central Saturday. And uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun, Quads. We're going to do it uh, through Google Hangouts, and you and I are just going to kind of have like a roundtable discussion on uh, the Weekend Canuck Show with Jamie Dodd. So I'm stoked to uh, get on the radio with you, bud, because it's been a while. Like last time you and I were on together was – was Rob Fay Nation, right? Yeah, and I think that was like a year Had ago, to be was at it least. not? Like literally mm-hmm. a year ago. Been yeah, a while. I'm so excited, we're going to have man. some fun tomorrow if you guys want to check it out. Uh, Sportsnet 650 uh, at about 4.30 to 5.30, I think, is when we're locking it in. So uh, appreciate you guys coming here for another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Episode 138. So we're kind of creeping up to 150. I think we got to work on something big for 150 quads. Uh, and by the way, we got to celebrate over 100,000 list, uh, downloads and listens of the show uh, a couple weeks ago. So thanks for that. And thanks for the recent reviews. We got one saying that it was Corey's fault. Uh, and I do appreciate that because it's Corey's fault that we ended up getting another five-star review. So it's not really a bad thing for Corey. It's kind of a good thing if you think about it. Uh, so we'll wrap things up there. Uh, for my co-host, David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber. And thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Hello. Thank you for calling Thomas Drance.